Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Amanda Diber. You're listening to Pantheon Podcast Network. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of an always expanding uh, Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. This is episode 208. I'm calling this Glad They Went Poppy. Um, I want to thank William Walker for suggesting this episode. The idea here is that you know, I've always talked about bands, uh, you know, number one, I, I kind of want my, at least in the hard rock realm or whatever, I want my bands to be heavier. So I've definitely had various episodes that have railed on bands for going commercial or going poppy if you were a heavy band. Um, but this this also, um, you know, falls into the other uh, categories as well, progressive rock, general classic rock, I don't know, punk, post-punk or whatever. You know, bands can go poppy or bands can go commercial. Those can be two separate things. Or they could start commercial and get better. There can be various um, things that I've been known to complain about with these bands. But the idea here is... Um, are there situations, uh, and I've never really thought about this much, but are there situations where I'm uh, glad that bands went more commercial, more accessible, more hooky, catchier? Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess just generally poppier in a lot of these cases. And uh, I've surprised myself with some of these examples. Um, there are actually a lot of examples. And the cool thing, again, about this episode is that I, I checked lots and lots and lots of different bands and lots and lots and lots of different bands didn't go poppy or commercial and some went the other direction. So, you know, bands bands can get more commercial over the years or they can get less commercial over the years. Uh, or they can just sort of change direction and you can compare, you know, maybe two different genres and um, there's no sort of relative commerciality difference between them so yeah so I've got I've got five examples here and lots of good uh, honorable mentions too that are that are a little lighter a little weaker or and even a couple that I I would have put in and we would have had this uh, history in seven songs Um, so anyways let's take a listen to our first selection here and we shall discuss this is golden earring with delight I can't fight when she turns on the delight. 
All right, so this is from No Promises, No Debts, 1979. I've featured Golden Earring on a couple of different shows. I definitely remember featuring them on the one about electronic drum sounds that I liked, right? That was really cool. Um, so, yeah, what I love about Golden Earring is... Um, Specifically this era, you know, they started off long, long time ago, 1965, Just Earrings, Winter Harvest, 67, uh, Miracle Mirror, 68. Then they became kind of a um, a fairly heavy rock and band, but maybe the songs weren't that good. Now, number one, they're Dutch, so they're they're a non, uh, you know, non-main hard rock, rock and roll market, English-speaking market uh, situation. Um so, you know, there, there are some kind of heavier albums in there, Seven Tears Together. Uh, you know, this is this is the, you know, a, a sort of a hard rock era um, or a hard rock band and an era that, that people don't talk about too much. And what happens with Golden Earring after that? They get a little more um, proggy, but still heavy. And still the songs are a little dour, a little brown. When you get into the Moon Tan, which is kind of famous, um, you've got Radar Love is, is kind of their, their big hit they have a hit later we'll talk about but they have this big hit that's kind of like a like a a roadhouse blues sort of song right um switch to the hilt uh they start getting kind of kind of cooler there really cool hypnosis album cover on that but my favorite era of the band is this grab it for a second 78 no promises no debt 79 prisoners of the night or long blonde animal 80 uh cut they get kind of famous again because they get the Twilight Zone song and they're sort of an it band for a little while. They do okay, but not great. And then things fall back again for the absolutely excellent, though, uh, N.E.W.S. album 1984. So, yeah, what I love is this period in the middle uh, where they, well, okay, so let's move on. So then they have The Hole in 86, Keeper of the Flame, and they keep making records all through. Um, but basically their their ship has sailed, uh, so to speak, uh, with, with Cut in 82 and with Moon 10 and 73. So they have their they have their couple of hits uh, spread apart by about 10 years. But um, yeah, they have a whole bunch of these really exquisitely written poppier songs. Great recordings, by the way, too. Uh, this, this whole late 70s into the early 80s period, beautiful, beautiful production sounds on these albums. But the first one is probably um, the heaviest and maybe even the best of all of them. With um, So grab it for a second with Moving Down Life, Against the Grain. Grab it for a second. Just dark, kind of cool, heavy, heavy song. Roxanne, Leather, Tempton. Yeah, the whole the whole U-Turn time, the whole side... Um, uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, so <laughs> they call side one, side one, and they call side two, side A. Um, so yes, they're being little tricksters there. But um, this album, this is from as well, No Promises, No Debt. Uh, ha- no Debts has Heartbeat. Um, yeah, Weekend Love, uh, Need Her, uh, Save Your Skin. Some really, really good songs where I've always thought um, these are songs that should be covered by bigger bands and they would have been massive, massive hits. I mean, they do a great job themselves. They should have been hits for themselves. But um, really, really good stuff. When you get to the likes of... Yeah, I mean, you listen to the song Long Blonde Animal. This was called Long Blonde Animal, I guess, uh, uh, here or overseas. Because mine is, mine is Prisoners in the Night, actually. And mine is an import. Um, but No For An Answer, My Town. Um, cut them down to size. Will and Mercy. Really, really good stuff. Uh, and then, like I say, you get to their sort of famous period where you've got Cut... And that's got stuff like, uh, you know, Lost and Found, kind of like really dark. I don't know. Did I tell you guys this once? I mean, 
Once, believe it or not, I did a whole university essay on on uh, on uh, Golden Earrings lyrics. Um, but yeah, the devil made me do it. And then NEWS is the one where you get that really good uh, electronic drum sound with clear, clear night moonlight. When the lady smiles, absolute classic. That's your homework for today. Unless I uh, go back on my word and tell you something later. Go play. Go play when when the lady smiles. What an amazing song! So well put together. But yeah, so so this is a this is a case again. You know, people would say there's that there's that music snob early seventies era, and then there's the mid seventies era, which are the which are the you know darker, murkier. Well, they're always kind of murky and cynical, but but the uh, you know the darker, more proggy, more classic rock for sure uh, era of the band. But um, you know, call me a poser, call me whatever you want. I love this uh, this late seventies period of the band, and again, it is uh, when they are sort of the popular version of the band. Um, all right, let's take. Take a short break and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, back again here, episode 208, Glad They Went Poppy, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Let's take a listen to our second track, and we shall discuss. This is Tigers of Pantang with Paris by Air. All right, so I have actually, uh, I don't know what song I played on some previous episode, but I'm pretty sure I played something from Tigers of Pantang, The Cage, uh, before. And I, I know I've featured this band before. Love them to death. Uh, love the debut. The second album, Spellbound, I've, I've often considered the quintessential sort of, uh, it sounds the most like a new wave of British heavy metal album. Uh, I love Crazy Nights, although people tell me you're not supposed to like that one, um, but I've always liked it. 
But yes, this is probably the shiningest example of uh, of one of these for me that really, really surprised me. So that's kind of a theme with this Glad They Went Poppy. I'm surprised that I'm liking the band when they went prop poppy. But so this is uh this is Tigers of Pantang going going quite poppy and quite commercial and and literally predicting the rise of hair metal and doing the best job of it among any UK band possible other than Def Leppard um, going this way. And this is produced by Peter Collins. It doesn't sound like a Peter Collins production, um, but this is still the classic lineup of, uh, lineup of the band. You've got John Deverell in here, but as you can tell with this Paris by Air, it's a it's a really good hooky hard rocky song that the guitar tones i mean this is a very powerfully produced album that's why it doesn't sound like peter collins because peter collins does a lot of crappy productions as well um but it's got some very experimental songs on here like making tracks very weird rendezvous is weird um but yeah danger in paradise is good they've got the cover of love potion number nine which they do a great job of you always see what you want to see letter from la um yeah very very kind of mellow i'm i was always a little ticked off it's a little short um so it's a bit of a short album but they're on mca at this point um and they go poppy my fond memories i was in nelson um flash be lash down the hall he loved this album too and lanny um um, you know, and uh, it, it was, you know, so second year university. But yeah, we love this album to death. I remember this album and Your Eye Heap, Abominog being the two big albums uh, of the time. But uh, yeah, it was almost like a weird awakening that you can like this stuff and, and not apologize for it and just go with it kind of thing. So it was it was weird loving this. And then, of course, uh, unfortunately, things fell apart from there. They went on to the Wreck Age, Wreck Dash Age, uh, but they lose their major label deal. They're now down to Music for Nations. Major lineup changes. All that's left is John Deverell and the drummer Brian Dick. Um, and then they do Burning in the Shade. There's even more lineup problems um, in 1987, and that's it. And then they reform later on. But but those latter two albums uh, are basically universally reviled. Nobody really likes them. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of fans of the Cage. I guess I'm not the only one. Um, this absolutely, absolutely is one of those situations where um, I could see if this band would have moved to LA and and kept uh, you know kept doing the right moves, so to speak, uh, musically, and kept the band together. I think they they could have been huge um, because uh, yeah. So this is still essentially the uh, the um, the main lineup. Of course, you know. Um, before the cage, uh, you know they had John Sykes in the band for two albums, and and he goes on to Thin Lizzy at this point. So, uh, so there you go, um, uh, an amazing, uh, an amazing version of uh, Glad They Went Poppy, and I was glad they went poppy. Um, let's play our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Blue Oyster Cult with Fireworks. Yes. Okay, so this is from Spectres, 1977. This is one that I absolutely, over the years, have gotten more and more and more entrenched in this attitude. And also over the years, doing all these contrarian video shows and being on other people's shows, uh, more and more and more entrenched is the fact that uh, everybody universally thinks the uh, the first three Blue Oyster Cult albums, uh, the black and white period, are the best, uh, uh, the best Blue Oyster Cult albums. People usually pick Secret Treaties. And then, of course, they've got the 
double live album on your feet on your knees but i love poppy commercial buck dharma written um uh you know mellow blue oyster cult you know it starts with don't fear the reaper that's not even my favorite my favorites are on on uh, on specters and whatnot i love this song fireworks up tempo um but you know i love the night uh you know i even think godzilla and are you ready to rock have a certain poppiness to them and accessibility again the theme the wider theme here is um it's almost like sensible or logical or uh objective versus subjective to like a band when they get more commercial or more accessible or more hooky all three of those words are positive words right so we're supposed to like this um so so yeah it starts with uh, agents of fortune that's the one that shocked everybody uh, that the band made such a change, uh, you know, and then you've got the visual to go along with it as well when they're changing into color from black and white. Um, but that's the start of it. Um, this is a poppy album, um, and people love this album. I've often called it my favorite Bluish Cult. I've often called the next album my favorite Bluish Cult album. One of our earliest episodes of The Contrarians was on Bluish Cult, and I said Mears, 1979. Um, was my favorite Blue Oyster Cult album, and that is very poppy. You got the great Sun Jester on there, and Doctor Music, and 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 uh, boy, um, Moon Crazy. Uh, just there's a lot. There's a lot, and it's beautifully produced by Tom Werman, out of character, I might add. Um, but yeah, uh, very poppy there. And then you know, Burning for You is a big hit, um, and they they basically turn into a band that delivers the pop about half the time. Um, across you know most of the albums moving forward up into the present day actually although the the new one the symbol remains is is considered one of their heaviest albums as is heaven forbid um but uh yeah so so this again is another uh situation surprise surprise glad they went poppy glad blue oyster cult went poppy um all right let's move on to our fourth selection here take a listen to this this is captain beefheart with observatory crest got outside the sand was hot she wanted to dance we went round and round an observatory crest thought we saw flying saucers in all of the rest Okay, so here's another situation where I'm uh, completely contrarian on this. Uh, you're not supposed to like um, the two Mercury albums, both from 1974, Unconditionally Guaranteed and Blue Jeans and Moonbeams. This is from Blue Jeans and Moonbeams. Um, I was actually going to play the title track. I, I had picked that first, but then I thought, man, I love Observatory Crest. It is so cool. Love the lyrics. Love Captain Beefheart's lyrics, period. I mean, he's one of my favorite lyricists of all time. But um, So you get, with him, you get sort of the... Um, you get the uh, the the dark, growly, bluesy, but still eccentric early period with uh, Safe as Milk 67, Strictly Personal 68. Trout Mask Rep Replica stands on its own. It's a double album. It's it's considered one of those most unlistenable albums of all time. It's it's just a lot of sort of scronking, free jazz, noisiness. Um, it's very dense. Um, but then you get, um, so that's 69. Then you, then you get Lick My Deckles Off Baby 70, uh, uh, Mirror Man 71, Spotlight Kid 72, I think sort of stand together as an evolution of that earlier period. Clear Spot is an absolute classic, um, so I think that's the best of his early period, um, where it is the mix of uh, of just weird hippie blues and, and you know, uh, 
you know, very, you know, quite experimental, but still kind of songful. Um, so that kind of ends off the, the great early period. And then you get these two albums on Mercury where he absolutely was going for a commercial thing. It's poppy. Uh, you know, the, most Captain Beefheart fans are, are not fans of these albums. They, they think he was just trying to make a lot of money. In fact, unconditionally guaranteed, right? That's the one with where he's holding up the money and stuff. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny that way. But anyways... Then there's a long break, a four-year break. He comes back with Shiny Beast Bat Chain Puller, which is, an, again, absolute classic. This period of the band is is an, an amazing, amazing period as well. They only make three albums. So you get Shiny Beast Bat Chain Puller, uh, Dock at the Radar Station, so cool, 1980, and Ice Cream for Crow, 1982, which are very similar. So now we're into his more um, almost always experimental, um, always pretty kind of heavy and thorny and almost like post-punky snarly post-punky british post-punky um uh great stuff uh and then there's this weird bat chain puller 2012 re-recorded thing later on but essentially it's those albums you know that's a posthumous thing we lost captain um but yeah those three go together they're an amazing uh, uh group but um i have lots and lots of time for the two you're supposed to hate unconditionally guaranteed and blue jeans and moonbeam so yeah go check that stuff out uh those albums are not on spotify so i think there's a case here of uh i don't know e- erasing them from history maybe sort of thing or or label problems i don't know why they're not on there they're on mercury um you would think they would be but uh let's move on to our fifth selection here um take a listen to this this is black and blue with stop the lightning All right, so this is from Without Love. Black and Blue, love this band to death. Uh, Basically, these guys... they had a great debut album, uh, self-titled, produced by Dieter Dierks. Uh, doesn't really sound like a Dieter Dierks album, you know. Doesn't doesn't sound sound uh, you know like like a like a hard marble kitchen countertop uh, sort of thing. Um, but no, it's really good. Well, I guess mo- a lot of his albums don't. The Scorpions ones don't particularly as well. I'm I'm always thinking Metal Health when I when I say that. Uh, not Metal Health. Um, Metal Heart uh, by Accept. Um, but uh, so yeah, so so they uh, he produces the first one, great album, pretty heavy album, um, really cool. Uh, and then uh, so that's nineteen eighty four. But then they do this album without love, nineteen eighty five. So this thing comes out. It's produced by Bruce Fairburn, and it's done at you know his you know the three different Vancouver studios. And the big story about this one is that. Um, this, uh, this, you know, the results and, and, you know, hearing what went on there and the whole experience with Bruce Fairburn, uh, got Bon Jovi to go there and then Bon Jovi got absolutely famous, but, you know, by working with Bruce Fairburn sort of thing that, that kicked off their, uh, their huge, huge part of their career. Um, so yeah, this whole go to Vancouver and try harder episode, go listen to that when you'll get the whole history of that, uh, that sort of concept. Um. But an amazing, amazing album, and again, uh, me and my buddies uh, were shocked at how it was a, a fair bit more melodic, fair bit more glammy, bubblegummy, hair metally, whatever you want to call it, but we loved it. So again, it's the idea of um, 
commercial, hooky, accessible, but also we can add in, um, you know, something to this fray. Uh, does it exist? Does it not exist? Better songwriting, right? I mean, it does exist, um, but it's a, it's a very abstract concept that is arguable for everybody. It's it's very uh, subjective and not very objective, right? Um, but um, you know, have that debate. Are the songs uh, are the songs better songs on? Uh, without love uh, versus the debut then unfortunately this band uh, comes out with nasty nasty in 86 and in heat in 88 both produced by gene simmons and i don't like him as much um and you know most people kind of don't i suppose um yeah they they just they just seem to fall into a um it feels a little mercenary like they're repeating themselves like they've lost the plot they've lost the charm they've lost the warmth and the personality uh that you got on the um on the without uh without love album by the way uh yeah we got the fire on this uh guest star mike reno from Loverboy on it um and another cool thing about this band then they had a reunion album i think it's 2011 hell yeah and it's really good um and to me this brings up a point to me it proves that the band was really talented right um because because there are good songs on that and Pete Pardo and I just went on Guitar Hacks show and did a ranking of the Rat catalog. And Infestation kind of proves the same thing. But another thing that that Rat does, which I find kind of interesting that fits this concept, um, you know, the Rat catalog is very uniform, almost um, almost frustratingly uniform at times. But uh, in going through it really carefully, I noticed two things. I really liked... Uh, when they tried any form of ballad, because it was always kind of interesting, it had heavy parts, cool chord changes, maybe it was up-tempo, there was some drumming, maybe it was kind of power ballady, but mostly it stayed away from the tropes of the of the hideous power ballad. So, so that is an example of Rat going poppy and me liking it. And the other thing is I really liked when they did the poppy hard rock songs. Um, not the ones that seemed like cash-in hair metal songs, but the ones, you know, I remember making my notes for the hack show. I would say, this reminds me of the New York Dolls or Hanoi Rocks or It's a Little Punky, right? Um, so when Rat would do those different things and they were quite melodic and, you know, it was like they were reaching out, you know, a, a big, a big bro hug sort of thing. Right. Um, so that's, that's an example of, of two cases, two ways that rat went poppy and I was happy about it and, and frankly kind of surprised about it. Right. Because normally, you know, I, I just want my rat to be really heavy and riffy and those are the better songs. And granted, those are the favorite songs, but yeah, there were a lot of examples of that, that I, I thought was, uh, was really cool. So I wanted to mention, uh, I've left enough time here good um for for some honorable mentions um so in this idea of uh, let me just i always have to go back to this so yeah glad they went poppy is our concept right so so honorable mentions another great one for me that i will i was always surprised about was vandenberg going into heading for the storm um so so from the debut they definitely get poppier and mellower and slicker and for the longest time i was not happy with that album and and um i still think alibi is probably my favorite but you know it's very close with head, heading uh, heading for the storm um so um so yeah, Vandenberg's one. Genesis is another one. Um, you guys all know that my favorite Genesis albums are definitely Abacab first and probably Duke second. Um, and you know, I'm kind of a fan of Genesis Genesis as well. So um, it's it's cool that Genesis went poppy and I'm glad they went poppy kind of thing. Yes, you could. Uh, so now we're getting a little weaker here. Uh, yes, um, debatable. Uh, 901 to 
five uh, is uh, is uh, the Popman nine one two oh again. Here we go again. Um, uh, is them going poppier, and we can have that debate. But obviously, it was a huge album. It's a really good album. Um, but we can argue about whether they were actually better. I mean, a lot of people love drama as well. Scorpions is a good one because I've often said that. Um, I, I kind of get more out of, uh, you know, that, that uh, trilogy, I, I call it, of, uh, of Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, and Blackouts. When Mat- Matthias Jabs joins and Uli John Roth is out, they definitely go poppier, less Hendrixy, uh, Krautrocky, less 70s, less old classic rock, and into, you know, as they, as they say with these guys, an Americanized sound, right? Um, I definitely don't like when they go even more popular and love it for Sting. Um, that was a big step down. But those three albums, uh, you could argue, are them going somewhat popular. I often thought I could have included literally um, a, a, a sweep of the, of the whole Minneapolis scene sound. Did I do? I think I did a whole Minneapolis episode. But Replacements, Husker Du, Soul Asylum, all three of those I liked when they went poppier. So Replacements started as kind of like a um, college rocky punk rock band, um, short songs, silly songs, and then they started adding in the acoustic. The songs got longer, a little more ambitious, you, and you get to, you know, Tim and Please to, uh, Please to Meet Me, starting with Hootenanny, I suppose. But but you get up into that, um, and those are my favorite Replacements albums. And then, again, I guess, uh, like Scorpions, uh, is this the first time in history anybody's uh, compared Replacements to Scorpions? Um, like Scorpions, Replacements almost get too poppy, right? Um, Soul Asylum kind of does the same thing. They they start a little more riffy, hard rocky, punky, and then they add a little bit of a pop element, and I really, really appreciate it, them for it. But then uh, the albums stay uh, murky, pea soup green, and then they get... Uh, and then they get even more poppy and then I'm not happy. So same sort of thing as Scorpions and Replacements. Husker Du, on the other hand, um, Husker Du starts quite noisy. You know, Metal Circus, Zen Arcade. Um, things get, they, they start to bring a little melody into it with uh, with New Day Rising. Uh, but then as you close off, uh, what are they called? Candy Apple Grey. What's the other one called? We got Warehouse Sounds, Songs and Stories. One other one in there, can you have? Anyways, the last three you got you got two single albums and a double album. Um, they're basically all similar, and they're basically uh, you know it's it's still buzzsaw guitars and and pretty rockin' guitar, bass, and drums, but there's lots and lots of melody. So um, yeah, give me give me Poppy Husker Du anyway any day. I'm not a snobby Husker Du fan because uh, the snobby ones always pick Zen Arcade. You know, double albums are always important. I mean, these guys have two, mind you, but. Um, people always pick that one. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been known to argue for the cusp album, new, new day rising as, uh, as the best, but I, but that, you know, give me the, the most commercial Husker do any day. That's the most utilitarian for me. Um, Frank Zappa, uh, strictly commercial, <laughs> you know, that comp, uh, again, give me, give me poppy short songs, funny songs, songs that are songs from Frank Zappa any day. I'm happy. The damned a little bit, the XDC, XDC a little bit, you know, you could say damned went from a, a noisy, you know, raucous punk band, maybe across the first three. And then they started adding in a lot of different elements, um, the 60s stuff. And, and, you know, so, so my favorite period is that whole, Black Album, Strawberries, even the goth period when they were the poppiest. Uh, the Tubes, you could say, they went from a classic Rocky sort of band. And then I, I totally love Remote Control and Completion Backwards Principle. Um, so you could say they went poppy there. 
Uh, so love love that. Kansas, when they went poppy, you know, with Everybody's My Friend and what's that other one called? Fight Fire with Fire, that whole thing. Love that. Um, I don't know. You could say, you could say oh, you know, go, go over to the Swedish heavy metal end of things, Opeth. I mean, they they went melodic singing and, and uh, acoustic guitars and more prog, so they definitely went softer and more accessible. Entombed went from, uh, you know, pretty extreme uh, Swedish death metal to uh, death and roll, right? Um, that whole Wolverine blues into that period where you could say they got a little more rock and rollsy, so you could say they went poppier. Uh, the Clash went from a punk band, uh, you know, overnight from from give them enough rope to London Calling, just just lots of heaviness to no heaviness. Um, Fleetwood Mac. Interesting one, you know, when uh, when you've got uh, the big album, uh, the the White Fleetwood Mac album and Rumors, obviously this band went from um, kind of a, a British blues boom band to just a weird kind of classic rock band to definitely a much poppier band, and uh, I'm I'm happy they did it. Um, Pink Floyd is is a is a funny case. I mean, did Pink Floyd go poppy with Dark Side of the Moon? You could argue it, right? Because previously they were quite irascible, and you know, you think of Adam Hartmother and uh, Amagama. Um, before that, they were a psych band, but they're pretty inaccessible. I I often consider that that stuff before Dark Side of the Moon almost kraut rock. Um, but but Dark Side of the Moon, you know, broken into nice songs, beautiful recording. I think they kind of went poppy, right? And um and we're all glad for it. Um, they did amazing. So those are my honorable mentions. That's a lot of them, right? Um, and I wanted to mention as another sort of category that people consider honorable mentions. Uh, you know, Def Leppard, people will say Pyromania, they got amazing. Hysteria, they got amazing. You know, I obviously, you know, my, my views on Hysteria. But, um, you know, I, I personally don't as- uh, ascribe to this one. Another one I don't ascribe to is a lot of people say Nazareth when they went uh, poppy with... Uh, uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter on Malice in Wonderland. You know, there's a little extra excitement around Nazareth at that time. Hearts gone, uh, gone cold and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, so people, you know, had that debate. Hey, has Nazareth gotten kind of sophisticated? Um, Tease, our Canadian band here. Um, you know, I swear by the first two albums, the two heavy classic rock 70s sort of albums. Um, but a lot of people think 1979's uh, One Night Stands, where they definitely toned down the metal, um, is their best album. So there you go. Um, and just uh, William Walker had given me a few examples. This is kind of the funny part. So he suggested this episode, and then he gave me a bunch of examples that I totally didn't agree with. Um, but anyways, I'm, you know, in honor of him coming up with this episode idea, I wanted to mention his. He mentioned Eclipse by Ingve. Empire by Queensryche, Leatherwolf self-titled, Under Lock and Key, uh, White Snake self-titled, and Kiss Dress to Kill. I don't agree with uh, with any of those ones. And then I had sort of a third tier, um, which I kind of believe as well. A good one, actually, is Derringer, because I've often thought for years and years, I thought Sweet Evil was their best album, but now I'm starting to think, um, you know, if I weren't so romantic, I'd shoot you is. And the, and there they get a little poppier, more lighthearted, more accessible, uh, and less sort of heavy metal classic rock. Um you know, Boomtown Rats, apparently you're not supposed to like the second and third album or maybe the second album, but I think they got better when they got popular, um, even though I love the debut as well. I can almost start saying that I'm turning around. Maybe I'm just getting old. I definitely am getting old. Um, but The Dead Boys, um, I might like uh, I might like the, the second album more than Young, Loud, and Snotty, right? We have come for your children. So I might like that more now. Adverts, definitely like 
the super poppy uh, album cast of thousands which people are you're supposed to absolutely hate that album compared to uh the, the first one crossing the red sea with the adverts um which is very tribal and punky um so yeah, there's one. Um, Rush signals, you could say. So Rush has a lot of phases. So ah, that's the, we're getting down to the weak strokes here. Uh, you know, Y and T, Black Tiger, Mean Streak. Uh, are they popular than? Well, I, I'd say they're popular than Earthshaker. Um, so it fits there. ZZ Top Tejas, you could say they lightened up, and that's almost. I guess it is my favorite ZZ Top. Pete and I did a show on Faith No More where I said, you know, call me a Faith No More poser. Just give me all the commercial songs. Um, you know, my favorite Thin Lizzy is Renegade, um, and it's considered a pretty poppy album. X, um, so here's a band where they started off a little more, you know, roughshod, uh, and then they added some melody, and the songs got more thoughtful and more accessible, and that is my favorite period. So I'm I'm, I'm the hugest, I'm a massive X fan, period, but um, I, I come on board really big, kind of third, fourth album sort of thing. And then UFO is a funny one. So you go from the Michael Schenker era to the Paul Chapman era. And so you go from a classic rock era. But, you know, I wouldn't say the Paul Chapman stuff is particularly mellower, but it is more Americanized and more accessible. So a, you know, can you call it poppy sort of thing. Um, So there you go. Lots and lots of honorable mentions. If you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to coffee.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I would like to thank Joe Beck at Bel Air Expediting. He's back. He's back at the Contrarians as well. We had him on a panel recently. Um, so very cool. Uh, a wise music swami, Joe is. Um, Lee Clifford, uh, Augustin Garcia de Predia, Steve Polari, Brian Sager, David Ria, and William Walker. Thank you all very much. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. You know I got the Cure book. The Pink Floyd's still in stock. The ACDC. I know these are expensive. I'm sorry about that. They're big swanky books. Uh, the David Bowie is still in stock. And uh, yeah, 30, 40 other titles uh, of mine are there as well. I sign them, ship them out of the office, PayPal buttons, all that stuff. So there you go. So I won't go back on my word your homework um for today is just go play gold nearing when the lady smiles find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on itunes spotify or google play please purchase these great and important tracks Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 